welcome to this uh, latest episode of the Only Connect Networking Podcast uh, with me, Mark Herring. I'm a Connector-in-Chief at Abano Network and Co-Director at Talent Lab. And uh, today I'm joined by possibly, I believe, um, my oldest connection through network. And I don't mean old as in maturity. I mean old as in years stretching back when we first met. But um, welcome to you, Leo Bones. How are you? Good morning and thank you for the invitation, Mark. I'm very well. So um, we've just come off uh, uh, a networking event online. How how times have changed. Uh, where and when did we first meet? Can you remember? Yes, it was um, uh, the days when you ran Business Junction and we met at Cargo, which I think is in Shoreditch. Wow. God, was that in the in the courtyard there? It was about 15 years ago, um, so um, I can't remember. I think it was actually inside. <clears throat> it was a very modest building, but the quality of the of the, the experience of the networking was what's uh, what what's old me. Yeah, so that was in the heart of shortage. Whether the I mean post COVID, whether these venues are still there. I'm, I mean, I'm sure the court. My memory. Of- cargo is it right next to a railway bridge yeah um yeah. opposite opposite the comedy uh club place that we also yes. had events yeah yeah in fact interesting i was in shoreditch only yesterday we do a thing uh one of the great things about eq is that part of it's funded by eq foundation which is a charity and we do the spear which is very worthwhile helping getting people into the workplace and it's unbelievable that Bethnal Green in the heart of Tower Hamlets is the highest unemployment uh, when it also boasts Canary Wharf. Uh, but yeah, we so I found myself walking through Shoreditch expecting to see some of your empties. <laughs> well, t- yeah, so let's, uh, you, you touched on there, you work for EQ Investors. Um, they weren't called EQ back when we first met. No, we, we were True Stone. We've always been involved in sustainability and ethical investing and um just very briefly the story was that um about nearly 10 years ago now sorry excuse me <clears throat> nearly 10 years ago um john spears who had a, um, a former company uh, really liked everything that we were doing and 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 bought us but we're, we're sort of quite a unique company uh, we're staff owned um and also we're a b corporation which is something that i, I know that you're, you're you're familiar with where we balance we hopefully balance principles with, with, with profits in terms of trying to do good for people yeah so and you mentioned spears which is his personal foundation or is that attached no to it's, a, it's actually a different spelling it's resurgo spear uh, and they're very laudable if anyone can right. reach out to them uh, there's about half a dozen centers in london and we do the uh, mentoring in fact interesting of a of a staff of about um 65 probably 10 percent of our workforce approximately is made up of, of spear graduates wow yeah because i did back in the day when we would have first met so we're talk, talking mid 2000s uh, yep. maybe towards the end um and, and business junction was born out of um shortest business network and then um abana was born out of that the I was working on a project with um, the Shoreditch bid, which was run by Shoreditch Trust. I was, um, you know, I was caught in that hinterland between businesses and the council, um, who at the time um, didn't understand a bid as in terms of business improvement district. So I was charged with spending a while looking at both how to connect businesses, but also um, the potential for a, um, a bid for shortage, and it never happened uh, for political reasons. But um, one of the things that that opened me up to was not only meeting the SMEs who were coming into the area, 
in digital marketing and, um, and technology especially, but also some of them like uh, Jamie Oliver's 15, Hoxton Apprentice, the ones who are looking at training what, like you just said, you know, amazing levels of um, poverty and um, disadvantage when it comes to education and job opportunities mm. still there. And um, Shoreditch, the, the study they did around the bid showed that um, to the north, the residential part had one of the worst areas for engagement. And it seemed to me that they were concentrating on large companies, and they still do, when actually there's so many small businesses that really speak the same language in terms of now gaming, VR, digital tools, stuff that um, by and large, a lot of these um, the kids are really familiar with. And the, the, that that sort of bridge between them is much shorter to travel. And um, yeah, we try to do something them and uh, hopefully with what you're doing, um, the same sort of thing. So let's go back then to um, Shoreditch days. You're, you've always been an active networker, you've always been gracious enough to come to many, many events that I've organized. Um, how would you describe your approach, especially because, you know, you look at the, the work that Eco Investors does and how it's moved itself, um, how you approach networking and what you get out of it, both personally and as a company? I enjoy talking to people and, um, sorry, excuse me, <clears throat> I get very emotional <clears throat> when I talk about these things. I know, I can imagine. Um, but the the, um, the the whole basis of it, as I said, is, is talking to me and I enjoy listening to people's stories and people invariably are interesting. And it's it, it takes relatively short time to to, to discover something that you, you have in common or, or that there is a, of interest um, what then takes a little bit longer is to see whether it's something that you can work with that, that, that they do. And, and hopefully um, what's become far more popular is the whole sustainability and ethical investing approach that people are a lot more open to a discussion now than possibly they were when I, when, when I first met you, although all of the same things stay in place about how important it is to help people and the planet. Do you find that... Um the the kind of conversations um depend on um maybe the spaces i know you've spoken about this on a previous podcast mm. where you know the the vibe um and um of of the venue that and and then maybe the host organization but also the people who attend um changes and you have to change your approach or your approach just stays look i'm here to make connections have a chat and see where it goes I think you do alter it depending on the. I'm really sorry about this. <clears throat> I think you'll have to adjust this at some point. Um, but the um, um, the uh, yeah the the venue does come into it, and 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 people sort of you you pick up on that. But no, I, I think it is simply just a case of of, of talking to people and and uh, and and hearing what they've they've got to say, and invariably, obviously, that they they have. And there is quite a rich group of people across the Urbano uh, spectrum. And I'm looking forward to getting back out and seeing people again now that you've been able to open up venues and and, and get people together again. And I think for the, the, the number that I've been to, people are generally really appreciative about being able to meet people in person. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Yeah, well, I think what, one thing that I'm noticing is um, we're back in uh, this weird and I don't think it will change, actually. I think London's an exception. Um, I, you know, I live outside London in Worcester and the, how smaller towns and cities have adapted and come out of um, 
sort of let's call it post-COVID ways of doing business. A lot of it is, you know, as I'm in my garden office, I'm talking to you in your home. A lot of it is more home-based. The office is changing um, Mm -hmm. and its relationship with its workforce is changing. Um, Hopefully it will get into um, a different way of working. I'm reading lots of people who are saying they're going into the office just to make lots of team calls because the people they need to talk to aren't there. They're still at home. You know, these things take time to develop. Um, But also I think London itself is changing. And um, I think we all like to mix and socialize how we do it, especially with networking when, you know, companies are doing this two days in, two days out and not giving off Fridays because they, you know, obviously everyone gets a long weekend then. But I think people are becoming a bit more relaxed and hopefully London will adjust. We're going to discuss this as part of an event we're doing, um, and I'm going to be broadcasting, sending this out um, before that on in April, where we're going to look at London as a, a force for good. That's the official title of the event. But for me, it's about the information you hear, but the connections you make, you know, and um, EQ investors have allowed us to do that. In terms of um, you, in terms of the nature of how EQ investors have led the way in terms of how finance relationship in in terms of developing profits for its investors and your investors has changed into ESG, um, these terms that we now hear. Impact investing was a term I first heard from you many, many years ago, and you talked about projects that were running um, overseas. Is there an attitude change towards people's use of their money now that they want to see not just a profit back, but it having a tangible benefit for a community or other groups of humans? I think, yes, there very much is. Um, two quick thoughts. Our own flagship fund is called the Positive Impact Portfolio. And not only do you get a statement showing what you've you've achieved, unfortunately, those returns have been very good and, and, and certainly um, above the market benchmark, but also you get a report showing the various effects that your money has had on society, whether it be water supply, plastic usage, um, various energy saving um, issues. So yes, I, I think so. Another thing that we're very much proud to be part of is an initiative called Make My Money Matter, which was set up by Richard Curtis of Red Nose Day and Mark Carney of the Bank of England. And um, basically they've said there's three trillion pounds worth of people's pension monies, um, and it may not be invested in areas that they're comfortable with. It could be areas they're extremely uncomfortable with, but they're blissfully unaware. And there's been a really great move and initiative of people asking their companies where their money is invested and making that adjustment. Because at the end of the day, you want to make sure there is a society there in the future for you to enjoy your investments and you want to protect the planet. Yeah, is that what 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 the three letters of ESG there? Um, Environmental, social governance. Yeah, because so, yeah, if you quickly describe for those who don't know it, yeah, what those terms. Very mean. quick. If, if if people have the patience, have a quick look at the EQ Investors website. There's quite a comprehensive and detailed breakdown. But just very, if I can quickly describe. ESG um, it describes how uh, responsibly a business is managed uh, and the effect its operations have uh, for its uh, its stakeholders. Um, it also helps fund managers and people to compare with their peers as to how successful they are when that financial data wouldn't be necessarily aware uh, that, that they would be aware of it. You, you, you reference impact investing, which was 
something that Bill Clinton first spoke about, you know, 25 years ago in Africa. And, and that's where we are, not in Africa necessarily, that's part of, but um, investing, impact investing is, is, a, is a tool like ESG, but it's, it's, it's meant to create uh, material, additional and, and measurable positive impacts on society. And it also means that you can, you can, um, uh, you can face some of the unmet social and environmental needs. Um, so it's actually sort of drilling down that much deeper. So people can actually see a value of what they're doing, not just in their, they're looking at their portal of the value, but to actually see what, what they're achieving. Yeah, because I, what I liked about it, particularly when you described it to me and I did some um, research into it, was you, you can see this. It is measurable. And I think there's, um, I, I remember Caroline, one of the firms that uh, my co-director at Tunnel Labs used to work for, they, they were involved in the scheme where engineers used to go over to Africa and they would teach um, a village how to develop a dam and a pump for their water supply. But what was unique was that that village would then go on to the next village and build it for them. And that village would go on to the next village and build it for them. And so, you, you know, this idea of shared knowledge, um, helping others, not you're getting help yourself and then you pay it forward. Another thing that I've heard, you know, that there's other organizations that do that. You know, it seems to me in a world now where, you know, we're still dealing with um the, the Ukrainian crisis and refocus on where we get our fuel from and the impact on the environment post COP26. I know that UK investors were up there, you know, our, our standards or, or our ambitions of what happens to our money are not just on our pensions and our investments give, giving a return. The, re, the way we measure those returns is changing. Is that what you're finding when you're out and about? Chatting. Yeah, very much so. I, and I think COP26, uh, while not providing all the answers, was something of a, of a watershed and a wake-up call for a lot of people to do. And, and surely it makes all the sense in the world. If you're looking to 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 enjoy returns, you want to also be able to do it while, while you're helping uh, the, the planet. And we've been able to identify companies that work in some pretty unique areas and particularly younger companies um that that have been able to make a lot of flexible changes and and we know people need to react more quickly in in, a, in an extremely uncertain world and it's never been more uncertain than it is currently although to be you know to put the counter argument slightly is that ESG is often accused of being a term that's been used for greenwashing my experience is that the people but who are involved in ESG and environmental stuff and sustainability are very very committed but you know, you've only got to look at some of the wider, bigger companies. They've taken, especially in certain sectors like oil and gas, this difficult journey they're going to have to take to ease their reliance on the the, the very thing that is giving them huge profits, i.e. fossil fuels, for instance, into a new or a very new technology, you know, electric and, um, and related powers, and how we get our own heating and light in our offices and our homes it is a we are on that journey right now aren't we and money is critical to that we are and obviously it's, it's more difficult for the fossil fuel companies and i gather at cop 26 there was a certain um undercurrent of trying to to compromise some of the the, the things which obviously uh, certain areas of big business tend to do anyway but um yeah i, I agree with what you're saying but 
I think that their time is up uh, and more and more people are waking up to that. And, and as they do, uh, those, those changes, I think, will be accelerated. And so a um, couple of last questions I'm going to look at is, um, I said we're doing an event uh, in the city of London with you guys um, in, in April. How do you think the city needs to adapt? Is it starting that journey? Is it your opinion that... Um, there is a new way of thinking or is it maybe being a bit more defensive and a bit slower in making the changes that we all looks like we need them to make? Yeah, I think by the very nature of the younger people are much, much more open to what's going on. But a lot of the institutions are a lot slower. They, they immediately see change equals cost, um, and which is something obviously that, that, that worries a lot of people. And I do find that even in some of my more unofficial networking events at some of these, like these livery companies, you realize they actually pride themselves in the tradition of a thousand years or whatever it is of London. And so things happen more slowly. Uh, but, you know, the future is not ours. It's it's the next generations along. And I think the way that people are pushing through change will accelerate that process, Mark. Yeah, I think, you know, I often say to everyone that um, opportunities in, in whatever form they are, whether it's um, to do business with someone or to share information or knowledge or experience comes through conversation. It's the best channel we've got, meeting someone, chatting about what you do and I do and where we think the future will be. We help ourselves do that, you know, and I think you've mentioned B Corp, um, ESG, and are these both terms and organisations, anything that helps create real sustainability. People forget that within COP26, I think the environment is 0.13 and sustainability Mm -hmm. is a much wider movement. And I think making sustainable futures for small companies creates greater opportunities back to these um, uh, youngsters in um, Bethnal Green and Shoreditch and Hackney and Islington and so on. Amazing powerhouse that the city is. It really needs to keep opening its doors, and and I think you can do that by conversation. I want to quickly <clears throat> finish with um, your your part of um, the uh, the London chapter of Exit Planning Exchange. So you're actually part of running a network now. How's that different from just turning up and enjoying the canapes and drinking the bottle of beer? Well, sadly, because it's not run by you, it's not really functioning that much as a as an entity. I have to say, the yeah. idea of it is as exceptionally successful these chapters in America, and I won't. I don't know, Mark. It's possibly just the UK human nature. Um, it's run as a very collegiate thing in America, where you'll have a whole range of professionals who all share the help when Mark Herring wants to sell Urbano or, or whatever it happens to be, or move things on to the next generation. And it was really, really, it's the, the chapters are numerous in America. Uh, but here, um, we, we hosted an event and a very, very good turnout. But when it got to the rather collegiate approach, it was actually, no, what's in it for me? So it, it's actually withered on the vine. I have no doubt that the guy that was doing it um, uh, will we, we'll resurrect it in, a, in, a, in another form. But yeah, sorry, it's, it's not really something that, uh, that, that, that has developed. Yeah, because it is currently. It, well, it is difficult running. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, you know, as, as you you know, I uh, suffered some ill health earlier this year through the stress of running a network post COVID and or during COVID, and it is, you know, it is difficult. The what's in it for me, you know, this uh, people forget that. Listen, um, if you had one final tip to pass on to um, someone 
who either doesn't enjoy networking or who is new to networking, maybe thinking about um, the the youngsters um, looking for their first career stops uh, in in Bethnal Green through um, Spears, then what what would you maybe pass on as your experience and advice? I think, as as you alluded to earlier, the idea of just having a conversation rather than feeling that it's a sales pitch is is, is a good point. But there's always a piece of advice for all the lovely country people that go to cities wherever they are in the world uh, with the fear that a city is sometimes, as we, we've all experienced, not, not as friendly. And they say that, uh, you know, people coming into a city, people will not uh, necessarily wave at you. Uh, but invariably they will wave back. And to me, that's the heart of networking. If you can go up and start a conversation with someone, nobody is going to be rude to you and they will carry, carry on a conversation with you. But it really does, It unfortunately, it really very really needs that, 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 that first step. W- would you agree? Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, the fear of it is often worse than the experience of it. I think if you're in a networking event or anywhere, really, we like to talk. You, you and I both have um, Irish backgrounds. Um, you know, we both obviously kissed the Blarney Stone back in the day. Um, and I think people like to talk. And the, if you can pay an interest in them when you're at an event, as a human, then it pays dividends. You, the chat develops and... Um, you know, uh, Julie Barry, who I know you know uh, from mm-hmm. Rift, had a great piece of advice on a, a preceding podcast where she said, if you've got these groups and you think, you know, look, looking at Boris yesterday in his photo shoot when he's seemingly being cold shouldered by the French and whoever else is um, they're not talking to. But it was clearly he was just by himself and waiting for Biden. But if you want to get into that group, you just go up and you say, do you mind if I join you? And no one but no one ever says no. Please come, tell us about yourself. Yeah, that would be great. You know, the the fear of it is worth the experience. But for me, networking with you has been a great experience over the years, and I look forward to uh, many events in the future. And likewise, I think you do it extremely well, Mark, and uh, very pleased to be part of Urbano. You're a star. Cheers, Leo, and uh, thanks for listening. Speak to you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.